0: Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast, episode ninety-two. Greetings and welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host Don Cardenas, and oh boy, it's, it's been it's, it's been a, a rough week. I, I could say um, this episode has been rife with technical issues. From the call to just trying to edit and then uh, just my own voice going out. (laughs) Um, Last Thursday, I did the Pocky Chip Challenge with uh, my buddy Rusty Shackles over on the YouTube live stream and uh, some of it got caught in my throat and honestly, at this point, I think I also had something going on because my throat was feeling a little bit raw throughout the day beforehand anyway. So I think it's just some sort of mixture of that coupled with just my throat not being its best. It, it, it was all downhill that weekend and yeah, its it, I'm sure you can hear it now, it, it's its not 100%. So, And then I'm trying to get everything recorded and out because my um, guest this week, Tony McMillan is just a fantastic dude and uh, I feel real bad that we had a lot of technical issues getting the call going and uh, I did my best to edit it all together so you don't really notice it we did a pretty good job of masking everything that was happening but yeah i wanted to get back into doing some recommendations and all that but my, my my throat is just not up to speaking much longer than i am now so uh i'm just gonna shut the hell up right now and let you enjoy this interview with tony mcmillan great guy awesome creator please go check out his books they're really 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 fun books uh, we talk quite a bit about them in the show so there we go All right, it is now time for my guest. Today I am joined by the incredibly talented illustrator and author behind such awesome comics as Lumen, Attaboy, and the upcoming Serious Creatures, Tony McMillan. Tony, thanks for coming along.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me.
0: Uh, you uh, you contacted me. You reached out to me after uh, Matthew Allison's podcast, and I, I really appreciate that, and you, you were interested in coming on, and it took us a while <laughs> to find the right <laughs> schedule and all that mainly all on me really but um nah. i'm i'm glad we finally got a got a chance to sit down and do this uh we've been experiencing a lot of technical issues <laughs> getting mm-hmm. this started so it's been an uphill battle so i appreciate you hanging in there tony uh so we can get this podcast uh all done and out to the people so but aside from that you have some really really amazing work and you're also a musician and there's so many awesome things i want to talk to you about your work your style what you do and obviously you know anyone knows if any of my guests own anything close to a guitar i'm going to ask a million questions about it but before we get to that comics coffee metal what are you digging right now
1: okay metal wise i've been kind of uh, falling back in love with a band called uncle acid and the Deadbeats. um i'm i'm really into like classic rock and old bands and black sabbath is one of my favorite bands and uncle acid is kind of in that vein uh, and uh I've liked their stuff for a couple of years now, um, but uh, whenever it's autumn, I kind of find myself listening to that stuff again, kind of gloomy, kind of uh, downer stuff, and their uh, second record, Bloodlust, is still my favorite. That's the first one I heard. So I've been rocking that, like listening on, on uh, my headphones, walking through, like, I live in Massachusetts, so it's, you know, it's full of graveyards, so I, um, I'm, I'm often just walking around through the graveyards, rocking out to that stuff.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, Uncle Acid and Death Beats, I've I've seen them pop up a lot. You know, I like I like some good doomy Sabbathy kind of stuff, and especially this is this is the, you know falls the weather for it, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if it's you know a little rainy and stuff like that, and uh, it is definitely the mood to get into that kind of thing. Um, so would you you would classify them in 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 that vein, something like that.
1: Like yeah, I think old school Sabbath yeah definitely I mean even some of the first records are kind of recorded analog so it has kind of a warmer sound and Mm -hmm. uh you know there's a lot of bands that are kind of in in doing that right now but I think what sets Uncle Acid apart is they're a little more melodic they have a little better uh, songwriting chops um the lead singer uh he's a guitarist and the principal songwriter too but he sounds a little bit like John Lennon um and so it just kind of has this cool uh throwback vibe and sadly you know I just turned 40, and um, my, they're probably my favorite newer band, but they sound like a band from the 60s and <laughs> 70s, so I'm not really doing myself too many favors. I don't really branch it out much, but you know, I, I, I dig it, so it doesn't really matter.
0: No, that, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'll have to definitely check them out. Was there, is there an album you think I should try to start from the beginning, or just is there something later on in their discography I should jump?
1: They're all consistent, I'll say, but Bloodlust, their second album, is, is really the the showpiece for me. I, it, I, I always go back to it. I just think it has a great, um, great balance of songs and individual songs are just really hard hitting. And um, I don't think they ever topped it. And it's weird. I, like, I, You remind me of Sabbath in that way too, where um, I like all of Sabbath's records, but I sort of think that if you don't think Paranoid isn't a contender for their best album, you're kind of just fibbing. I think you're trying to be cool. <laughs> like it's like, you can't deny Paranoid, man. I mean, that's, that at least that puts its foot in the door at least I mean, that's what got you into that probably
0: all right well awesome uh, what about comics? what kind of comics have you been digging lately?
1: So um I I've, you know I, I try I try to fight because I try to get new stuff you know but I do have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of older comics but um uh, you mentioned kanker Matthew Allison I'm always following his stuff um my uh, my biggest love for the last I guess like eight years or so has been Michelle Fiface Copra. And he's mm-hmm. still producing that book, and it's still knocking my socks off. And so I get a subscription, so I get those coming into me. Um, for older stuff, I've been gonna going back into a John Romina Jr. mode, and I've been like, I finally collected—I think almost every issue of Daredevil he did back with uh, Anasenti back in the '80s and stuff. And I—that's re- my favorite period when Al Williamson like inked them. I think that looks great. But um, I just got my hands on uh, his Punisher War Journal stuff from the early '90s um and that's yeah. pretty that go ahead no no
0: no jr jr is just you know he's one of the all-timers like it's amazing like he, he he's been a master for basically you know most of my life
1: <laughs> it's funny i i almost t- take him for granted sometimes you know but like he, he's yeah he's great and i i love his you know i love his styles his blocky figures i think that looks just it's super visceral and um especially with the superhero stuff it just kind of really lends itself to that um and his older stuff, you know, I, I, like a lot of people, um, I don't think uh, computer coloring and rendering is the best choice for a lot of artists, and he, he's included, so some of his newer stuff, I think that hasn't helped things. Um, so I go back to some of the newsprint stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And also, you know, like I'm always looking for like new and weird stuff, and um, I'm a big Eric Larson guy, and he's done a new book called Ant, which has some really cool coloring choices, and... Um, I've enjoyed that and I think what else is the, the, the newer stuff um, big big Tom Scioli guy I um, mm-hmm. I, I follow his Patreon and um, there's some really cool he's such a funky dude like his his <laughs> stuff is just his own little um, like universe of just yeah. nuts stuff I love that and then um, lastly I'll say um, Jesse Lonergan Jesse Lonergan is actually a friend of mine and so it's always kind of weird to go I really like his stuff but I do I, I like his stuff and so um, Jesse Lonergan did Hydra for image a couple years ago and then he did a book called planet Paradise but his new one is called drome and it's on his patreon and it's it's astonishing like he's he's been a master of layouts for a long time but he's really he's somehow finding a way to keep continuing uh, continually up in, up in his game and um drome is just it's just powerful stuff I mean he hasn't finished it yet and so he gets he drops like two pages every week and I i i can't imagine not sticking the landing here, but I-I'm just waiting, just waiting to see how this thing concludes.
0: Well, yeah, those are all incredibly talented dudes, uh... W- I have to ask, with the passing recently of uh, Tom Palmer, who's one of my favorite, who's one of the legendary inkers of all time, uh, I really loved his stuff on J.R.J.R. Who's your favorite inker over Ramita
1: Jr.? It, it's got to be Al Williamson. I mean, I, th- there have been a bunch of greats, there, and, and, and you Klaus know, Cla- Cla- is up there too, but Al Williamson... Mm-hmm. It just seems like the perfect marriage. I, I, I and I, you know, I haven't seen all the original raw pencils, so I don't know. Sometimes if if Jr. is putting down some of those weird kind of um, sketches in the, in the background for like, textures and stuff like that, if that's or if that's Al, but um, and I've seen some of Al's like horror stuff, so I, it looks like that. So I think that could be Al, but um that's that's perfect to me uh, if you if al williamson would just ink everything he did i'd be happy but um mm-hmm. i do it's funny you know inkers are sort of a dying um a dying art in some ways and don't get me wrong i think i like most artists when they ink themselves but um it's kind of kind of fun to say like you know what's your favorite kirby inker who's your favorite you know J. R. J. R. jr and you can't exactly have that conversation with a lot of newer artists anymore and again you know i ink my own stuff so I, i'm part of the problem you know possibly but um it's a really fun conversation, and it's kind of cool to see. Um, it's like it's like it's like a rapper who has a bunch of cool guest stars on their you know, on their songs. So it's like I I like them, but they're really good when this guy drops on the track. And you don't exactly have that now. So there you know there's pluses and minuses. But what, so is Palmer your favorite Ramita Junior guy?
0: Yeah, yeah. Tom Palmer is my favorite over Jr Jr. Um, I think my favorite anchors over. John Romita Jr. are the ones who don't are, they definitely put themselves on top of his pencils and kind of like take the the, the giant forms and and dynamism he has and kind of like just puts their the, them on uh, as a nice layer on top of it all.
1: Right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense because you know if you're gonna ink somebody, you you should add something to the mix. Hopefully, you know, yeah, it, it complements it. and I think that does. But um, yeah, you don't you don't want someone just simply replicating what the pencils are. You gotta you gotta add some depth to. It. You gotta do do something.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: Uh, so before
0: we started, you mentioned you had you had a, a nice late night cup of coffee. So, uh, what's your coffee of
1: choice? <laughs> so I only start drinking coffee regularly. Um, uh, about a year ago, and um, I, I, I like coffee here and here and there, but now it's a, like a daily thing. And so, in the morning, I'll just drink a black coffee, like a breakfast blend, nothing special. But when I want to kind of uh, wine and dine myself, you know, uh, <laughs> in, in I live in near uh, Boston. There's this place called Union Square Donuts, and Union Square Donuts has the the finest donuts I've ever had. They have crazy flavors. They they concoct new ones all the time. But the coffee is top notch, and so. I love a mocha, um, I love a, a, a latte, there's like, um, it's funny, this one's kind of a hit or miss, they, this place is a great place, but they're, uh, Cortado, I think they're called, they're like a macchiato with like, um, espresso and like milk or something added to it, but, um, a Cortado, if they do it right, uh, it's phenomenal, if, if it's off, it's a little, a little bitter for me, but, um, those are kind of my go-tos, and it's funny is, um, I'm also a fan of uh like coffee beers and there's this one it's called like a Gunner's Daughter's Milk Stout which is like a peanut butter porter or something crazy like that. Um that's delicious.
0: Awesome, awesome. I'm I'm I'm, I'm surprised to hear that you're kind of uh just recently drinking coffee more just because uh as we commiserated a little bit before recording, you know, you you are also a parent of a young one. So I'm, I'm. I'm. Kudos to you for holding out <laughs> this long <laughs> before making coffee like the daily thing. <laughs>
1: well, It's like you know. I basically I, I'm a really boring guy. So my my only vice was chocolate milk. I drank a daily mm-hmm. chocolate milk, and so I recently kind of quit that, and I filled the void with coffee. And um, it's like. It's like when I read Dune and I saw like, you know, Paul getting addicted to, um, to spice. It's like, this happened to me so quickly. And like, it's like, I know what's (laughs) happening, but I need, I need the spice, you know, the coffee got flow.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. So here I am. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, you know, that, that's, that's an incredibly apt analogy. (laughs) I I, I can say. Thank
1: you. Um.
0: well uh, on, on to your work uh you you'd sent me a bunch of PDFs to check out, and I was really really uh, taken in with with your style it, thank you it it definitely reminded me uh, are you familiar with an artist named Claire Connolly?
1: I don't think so. I almost feel like this has come up before and I should check them out. Uh, tell me what they've done please uh well,
0: she, she's done a, a ton of this like mini comics and anthology stuff and all that, but it's not like a one to one like oh wow it's like your the quality of your your line with hers is it, it's, it's very like similar. You definitely mm. have different influences Cause I can see that now you brought the, 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 the fifa and the, and some of the other uh, artists that you're really into. I can, I can s- pick some of those influences out and you kind of have right. it all mixed in with this really just like, you know, heavy, just like a uh, bleeding brush <laughs> type of line going on and like fingerprint smudges and things like that. Uh, that it looks like to me and, is 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 this something you've um kind of always drawn like this is kind of like the style you've always been kind of gravitated towards or did you kind of start off a certain way cuz i find that with people who uh have a a unique style such as yours right you know sometimes it's like they they had a very like classical style starting you know, classical mean like you know more straightforward type of art style which is fine you know i i consider myself kind of straightforward but you know as as things get more abstract things get more you know, uh, expression
1: based and things like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just I to- think I, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, so I think when I was a kid, I definitely was like, um, you know, a little baby McFarlane clone and it, was, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, good. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely in there. But my, my, my biggest influence, I think remains Frank Miller. And so there's definitely oh, okay. a through line with him. But, um, what happens is, is I, I I said this before, but basically, um, you know the Simpsons and uh, Hank Azaria, the voice actor for it. Mm-hmm. He um he has this really great thing about how like the, the voice of Mo is a really bad Al Pacino impression. The voice of uh, Lou the cop is a really bad uh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and so I think like him, I'm a really shitty parrot. And so um me trying to do something that looks like Frank Miller or or Ashley Wood or um John Romina Jr doesn't come out exactly the way it should it comes out in a sort of mutated version which is eventually ends up being what I do um but I think what the style I've kind of um been working with the last five years uh, since I started doing comics it all really started to kind of come together when I I bought a pilot parallel pen which is a chisel tip pen and it started making me uh, draw a little differently it made me kind of draw um a little chunkier and just kind of being more expressionistic and, and I started um really laying in the blacks, and I started even doing things where I didn't want to have a holding line all of a sudden, and for certain figures and, and stuff like that, and it just kind of, I started, like, thinking about, like, this is another kind of weird analogy, but I think it works, it's like, um uh I started thinking about, like, uh, Keith Moon, and Keith Moon has this thing about, um you know, he's the world's best Keith Moon-style drummer, Mm-hmm. And I decided, like, you know, I could be the world's uh, second best, um, you know, Eric Larson or Frank Miller. (laughs) I probably went, I probably like the 14th or 23rd best, but I could, I have a chance to be the best me I can be. And so I I think I went for that. So I kept trying to, like, if I did something, I was like, I don't know exactly what this, what I'm doing, but this doesn't remind me of anyone else. I'm going to pursue that. And so I kept following that. But, you know, like you said, there's Michelle Fife, there's Frank Miller, there's Ashley Wood, there's 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 plenty of stuff in there from all in sam keith and plenty of guys i grew up on and stuff i look at today still in there um but i think that's i think that's the most interesting thing you do is just try to be yourself and it doesn't mean you have to reinvent the wheel but um like why not try to do something a little different i especially the imperfections i think that's what makes things uh Compelling. You can tell my my clumsy hands have made this. I tried to make this for you. I tried to make it pretty. It wasn't pretty, but you know I tried. That's in there.
0: Uh, well, pretty is overrated. First of all, and and (laughs) second, uh, I'll take interesting over pretty art. Yeah, any 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 day of the week. And that's not to say your stuff isn't incredibly like enjoyable to to look at. And you know, I'll be honest. I get. a decent amount of people sending me pdfs and stuff to talk you know if do, to try to get their books talked about on the show i understand that's the game you know and you know sometimes it's like oh boy uh i don't want to mm. I, I i don't want to say anything but like you know with this like i'm 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 sucked in you mentioned the, the oh, thank you p- getting the the uh, parallel pen and uh, a buddy of mine ray Wagner, he uh dabbles in art here and there and a few years ago he got one of those parallel pens and that kind of open i think it kind of opened things up for him as well and i've I've long ascribed to the fact that you know the the tool doesn't matter the you know like have, whatever tool you choose it doesn't it doesn't really matter but <laughs> um it, it's yeah. it, it can definitely it can definitely help you find your line what you're doing
1: and, and I think it's very true and it's funny now is if I draw off a pencil or a crayon I'm still kind of drawing I'm remembering how I draw with my Pilot Parallel Pen, and i it's changed the way I draw, but I also know, it's like, you know, I can adapt different tools, and like, you know, since you're a guitar guy, I, I see if this makes sense to you, drawing with the Pilot Parallel Pen is such a heavy ink flow, it's starting to make me think of um, playing a really distorted electric guitar, and how that's different than the way I play with an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to attack this thing differently, because it it's a different instrument, really, and so I start realizing, okay, this is a distortion. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play with distortion. This is feedback. Okay, let's embrace that. Um, and so now, you know, even though that was a really good lesson, um, yeah. If I if I draw a different uh, if I draw a marker or, or whatever I'm drawing with, um, I can take the lessons that I I got from this new pen. Um, although at the same time, I, I I've held on to one of my Pilot parallel pens for a couple of years. And I kind of think of Brian May and his like little guitar that he made that I think he's mm-hmm. recorded everything with I'm like, yeah. dude, man, if I lose this pen, I'm fucked. I got to keep this like my my <laughs> Brian May pen. This is important. Um, so hopefully I'm wrong. That's not the case, but we'll see.
0: So uh, I guess you kind of answered one of my questions, whether you work digitally or traditionally, mm. um, because it's I've seen these styles of brushes available digitally and stuff like that. So it was it wasn't a one hundred because it wasn't one hundred percent sure. But right. looking at a lot of it, you know, up close, I'm like, there's definitely, there's definitely some just like, you know, grit in it and flow into it. So whatever tool, if you are using digital tools, there, there are some hella good tools. <laughs> but it sounds like it's all, you're all traditional, aside from like coloring and stuff like that
1: you you you, you nail it so coloring is still digital but i'm trying to with my color um try to approach like watercolor and crayons and more analog type of feel but um i just i'm honestly not confident enough to do it um analog cuz i i need a few attempts at stuff so it's still digital but um yeah i i think um you know i I've, I've drawn digitally before and it, it's fun um but what i find with my pen on the paper is that i'm sort of having a a duet with my tools and I'm, I'm sure improvising with whatever happens if there's a mistake or something I didn't intend I could try to roll with it and I don't exactly get that with digital at least not the way I've done it in the past so so far I'm I'm going to stick around to just drawing on dead trees I think that's the way to go <laughs> well
0: I I certainly you know enjoy going the traditional route myself uh for me though you know my workflow kind of demands I, I had to be like portable and digital uh, mm. and, and stuff like that but I think the way you color your stuff is is really 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 smart um you opt for a lot of you know flat colors very mm. very bright like I'm I'm looking at the the lumen trade you sent me and there's sections in here where there's just like this neon purplish pink just glowing everywhere and it, it contrasts yeah. with like the heaviness of your inks so so beautifully and oh, thank you. It, it's just it's just really really cool, so yeah
1: yeah. I, yeah that's exactly what I was trying to do and and I got it got even more um it got even deeper I think with serious creatures the next book um and now I'm doing serious creatures part two but the first book serious creatures I start um, using more watercolor digital brushes and I was like oh this is I'm not sure if it softens my art but it balances the harshness of my line with um. Something just kind of a balance of flavors and so I, I, I really like that. And um I think of Attaboy I, I I took that too. The to kind of um Okay. Keep it to keep to keep uh just keep a warmth to the color and also be playful with the color and try to be emotive. Mm-hmm.
0: Well yeah, it it definitely comes across that way. Do you have like any in terms of like artistic influences, is is there any color wise that you look to?
1: Yeah, well it's funny, um Michelle Fife um, I, I do love his line work, and I love his storytelling and all that stuff, but um, his color I think is really um, outstanding. And I took a lot from that. Um, just little tricks where, which, you know, he, he didn't invent some of these things, but he really showcased like, oh, if you have a room full of people, maybe just color the people that are important sometimes. Or, or you know, you can do a, um, a splash of kind of a garish pink on top of a cooler color, and it, it sort of shows the emotion of the characters. And Tom is another guy who... Um, Color coloring influence, but the biggest coloring influence I have is Lynn Varley Lynn Farley's mm-hmm. uh, her stuff from Dark Knight Returns. I read that as a little kid, and I would constantly go back to it. I was like, "This is the the high watermark for me." I mean, I just I don't know. She had this alchemy of um, it just it's it's just so striking and beautiful and and strong and and, and th- that work it bordered on garish sometimes, but it just kind of always just just posted by. It was just just right. And I'll say um, a, m- a more recent color and influence, uh, especially with Serious Creatures, because it's about horror, um, special, like, horror movies, um, Basil Gogos, his, his um, paintings for um, Famous Monsters magazines, and he did, like, the the Rob Zombie's, uh, his first album, Hellbilly Deluxe, he did the mm-hmm. album cover, and it, his big thing was he'd take a figure, usually, like a Dracula or some famous monster, but he would, um, he put sort of, like, oil slick rainbow colors all over the figure, and he'd do it just right where it's, like, well, there's green, blue, yellow... But it kind of works. I don't know why this works, but this works, and so I try to, whenever possible, do that. And um, I don't know. I I I love color. Colors. I love doing all the steps of making a comic book. But coloring is the most relaxed in a way because I feel like because it's digital, I can um, I can screw up a million times. But also, um, it's just kind of just kind of fun. I'm just I'm just playing around, and we'll see what happens. There's no there's no stress.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, since since the names come up a few times. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, can you tell us about uh, Serious Creatures? What's, what's, the, what's the log line everyone should be checking out?
1: Okay, so Serious Creatures um, is the story of a teenage special effects artist named Bobby Feckle who was growing up and working in Hollywood in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. And so basically we meet Bobby Feckle at age 14, and he wanders onto the set of a, a shark movie that's being filmed that's not Jaws. It's called Thin in our world. But basically, Bobby starts becoming, um, at age 14, an apprentice for a special effects guy named Jack Barber. And they have a front row seat to the blockbuster revolution of film and the special effects industry which like leading the way. And so the whole book is sort of this um, coming of age, sort of like Boogie Nights or Goodfellas, but about special effects guys. Okay. And so I, I did the first six, six issues um, have been collected, and that's all together already, and you can get that at my shop. But now I'm doing the last six issues um, to kind of finish up the story. And so this whole saga is um, loosely based on the legend of Rob Bottin, who's the guy who did the special effects for The Thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and the Howling and Legend stuff like that. And Rob Bottin was 14 when he started working in the industry. He was actually uh, 14 on the a- on the set of Star Wars. He played one of the, um, the band guys in the Mos Eisley cantina because he's, he was a really tall kid. He was on set. Um, you know, They're doing this Mos Eisley, all the different space creatures and stuff like that and in between takes this guy walks up to him and goes hey so what do you think you know, you're young you know what do you, what do you think and, he, and rob botin was like i think it's kind of silly i think it's kind of goofy i think people are gonna laugh at this it's kind of dorky and the guy was like okay nodded his head and walked off and then uh rick baker his uh mentor was like hey what did george want and rob was like who's george and that was george lucas <laughs> and that was the director and that was rob botin's first time on set in hollywood oh, uh, yeah. and i was like i was like i was like that's 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 the story right there like, that's amazing um so that was one of the direct inspirations for me to do this comic
0: awesome awesome that that that, that definitely uh appeals to me i i you know as we stated we're, we're the same age so right. you know we have a lot of those same uh milestones and when you said rob Boutine, i'm like i know exactly who that is like that's you know you know the legend absolute legend so uh, framing a story in that and especially like you know as we talked about your art style and all that, that seems really, 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 really cool. Uh, So people can find that at the first trade at your shop. Is it available just in print or digital?
1: Um, It's available both ways. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. And uh, the the second, is is there a planned release schedule or is it kind of like?
1: Well, yeah, well there's a plan hopefully the plan works but the plan is basically um monthly-ish starting in october near, near the end of october so before halloween and um i think i could keep the schedule i, I i'm pretty good at keeping things um monthly or like 40 days in between i've done it before single issues um so that's that's the plan and like you know the issues i'm, I'm working on now issue one's done our issue seven's done and issue eight is coming along and i i don't know I, I i'm very excited i think it's, it's some of my best work
0: you know what that release date uh it gives people plenty of chance to go and check out the first trade the first uh, few issues and get caught up before it's time to jump right back into that world
1: yeah that, that's what i'm hoping and i've seen a lot of people do that where they they, they buy a subscription to the new issues and they also buy the first trade and i'm like that's the way that's the way to do it
0: well i'll make sure there's links to all that in the show notes Thank um and as promised uh i, I gotta ask you're a musician um, you could say that, yeah. You could say that. <laughs> well, uh, in prep for the show, you know, I usually ask for like a headshot from the guests. Now that like, you sent me a uh, <laughs> pretty cool photo of you with a guitar, right? Um, and so I, 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 you know, I, I have to ask you, how long have you been playing? What's what's your uh, what's your gear look situation looking like?
1: Okay, so I've been playing for uh, since age seventeen, sixteen, really, or maybe even fifteen, fifteen or sixteen. Um, and I've been in bands and whatnot, but I'm also really, um, I'm not a technically gifted player. And also, um, back in my band days, um, my drummer had all our PA system. So what I have now, um, I have a a little orange amp, Mm -hmm. uh, and I have the little, uh, micro terror and I really, really enjoy that. It sounds so colossal, even though it's Mm -hmm. so small, I can't get over how tiny it is, but how big it sounds. Um, but I, the funny thing is, this is only the second amp I've ever bought myself, and I'm 40 <laughs> years old. So I had a, I, I had a, um, a PV Rage for um, okay. ever, and then the rage died, and it sadly it, it finally it finally bit the dust. But um, you know, in between playing gigs, I would always use someone else's amp or rig or whatever, and um, I got pretty spoiled. It, it was it was it was time to finally to move on, and even my um guitar wise, I have um. You know, I have an old Ibanez guitar I've had for a long time, and you know, I have super slinky strings on it, and and it's it's kind of a it's kind it, it is what it is, you know. But I still love it. I have a lot of um, fond memories. But now I I got a, this new Gretsch guitar I've had for a couple of years okay. now. Really, really kind of like it's a it's an electromatic. Hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. It, that is. It, it's
0: a good the sound. Yeah, it, you know. Uh, a lot of people have been uh, like heavier bands too. Have been really using like Gretsch, like the baritone length stuff.
1: Right. This this is this is that. Um, I, I I only found out about it when someone gave me this guitar. My neighbor was really nice. She, she knew I played, and she's gave me a guitar, and I was like, okay, I've never even heard of Gretsch. Oh. And so I looked up online. I was like, oh wow, this guy. Okay, cool. This guy. This guy. Neat. Um, I love the sound of it. I I've had um. It fixed up a little bit because I, it just you know was kind of falling apart a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it sounds great now. But um, it's funny in all my bands and whatnot. Like um, you know I'm a singer and guitarist, and so I'm a decent rhythm player. But I'm just kind of last few years figuring out my lead playing, like at least what I can do. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely in the camp of like. Whenever I have to do like a lead thing or something, I definitely have to like sit down and be like, "All right, this is going to take me a w- way longer than it should uh, right. to figure out what exactly it is I'm trying to do here." And then I'll go and do that long enough to like you know do it to to how I to how I, I feel it's it's good enough. And then I'll promptly forget <laughs> <laughs> uh, any of the techniques or, or things I I picked up trying to do that until the next time I have to do it. So I I feel you there.
1: <laughs> that that sounds similar to me. But I remember I listened to your episode of Daniel Warren Johnson, and I've heard him play on his videos. And he his knowledge of and your knowledge too um, of dif- different guitars and gear and and whatnot like really, you know, just blows me out of the water. Like you guys are you guys are talking at length, and I was like, I actually don't know what they're talking about at this point. I play guitar for a mo- most of my life at this point, but wow, you guys are really beyond me. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I'm, I'm, you know, one of one of my uh, big interests is recording and gear and stuff like that. And you mentioned like you've, you know, you're 40. You've only had like two amps. Like I've had, I've owned like aside from like a practice amp, like zero real guitar amps. Zero. Oh, okay. All, wow. all my stuff are plugins, digital. Um, I'm if I had the space, if I had like another maybe 15 square feet uh, of area to put my own crap. Uh, I probably would have, like, a few of those lunchbox heads, like the Marco right. Terror, or, and probably, like, the, uh, one, probably one of the 5151s, or the, uh, probably an angle one, or something like that. And just, like, a n- nice little 2x12 cab, or something like that. Right. Uh, but, yeah, everything, for me, is just, is all digital, so, and I, you know, I'm, but I love talking about gear, it's just something that's really interesting to me, because, you know, like you, like, you made the great analogy with, like, you know, artwork, and, and, art styles and it's just it's just different ways you know I have way too many guitars and you know but each one I pick up it's it gives me a different vibe it gives me a different feel it makes me like play differently
1: I I, I I very much believe that you know I've only had a few guitars myself whenever I play someone else's guitar or are or, or in that situation it's like there's different songs inside each one you just gotta play them and try them out
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, every October for like, past, like five out of the past six years, I've done this thing called Tober. where I, uh, every day I sit down and I just write a new riff and I post it. You know, uh, sometimes it's, you know, the bones of a really cool riff. Sometimes it's something that's, you know, sounds good, but that's kind of the extent of what it is. Just like this short little one minute, minute and a half snippet of a thing. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> sometimes they come out really, really bad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just post them anyway. It becomes kind of like a digital riff sketchbook for myself. And
1: um, I, I, I love that, yeah. What's funny, I, I feel most confident in my songwriting ability than my actual playing. I think I'm, I'm good at like smashing some chords together in an interesting melody and making something work. But you know, when I have a jam with people, there have been times where I'm like, I'm not contributing much to this. You guys are <laughs> above my pay grade.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've, I've had that feeling as well. And, you know, like even with like, I get this same thing with like posting art where it's like, I'll mm. I'll feel good about something, you know, and I'll put it out there. And then I realize like, oh man, I'm way off time on this section here. Like I did not realize like how, <laughs> how, how like, you know, just like oh wow, I didn't realize that eye looked so wonky in that drawing <laughs> until I posted it on the online for everyone to oh, see.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that is a really bad feeling. But it's funny, like so, sometimes also if you step away from something, um, you forget what your expectations were, and sometimes something you didn't like, all of a sudden you're I love this, and mm-hmm. and and I've had that happen too. So distance is really funny, like that. Um, yeah. But it's also funny, too. like, you know, like um, playing guitar and, and making music. I still write and play, um, if not daily, almost every day. But I remember a few years ago, I did a book, uh, a novel. I also write prose novels. And the novel is called An Augmented Fourth. And it's sort of a Black Sabbath meets the Thing kind of horror novel. And so for promotion, we recorded two original songs. I had a full band record with me. And at that point, I hadn't played with a, a full band, especially a drummer, in like four years. And it was humbling how out of time, how how hard it was for me to, like, keep time. Uh, like, when recording, I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. we we'll just one more time. Right? Okay. And it, I got it eventually, but it was a long day. So
0: humbling, uh, <laughs> playing with other people is definitely an experience I, I've had. Even, you know, again, connecting it back to art. Like, even when it's just, like, I have my, my art done, and then all of a sudden someone puts their colors on it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you really made this look good (laughs) (laughs) because I don't think, I don't think I was helping much in this scenario. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm I'm actually, you know, a lot of the writing and stuff I do, I play it along to like MIDI drums and stuff like that. I'll usually just find like a basic beat or whatever to kind of like start writing to and all that. But I kind of have to get away from that and and get back into playing with a metronome and stuff like that because, uh, one of the cool things about doing the Riptober thing, like I kind of see where my habits are in terms Mm. of like rhythms and things that I kind of gravitate towards. And, you know, a nice thing about having lots of guitars and that, that kind of inspire me in different ways means there's more variety in what I'm doing, but there's still those things, (laughs) you know, there's still those, those little habits I have uh, from, from year to year to year. I'm I'm pretty sure there's like three or four, uh different riffs that are basically the same like a slightly different
1: version of one that i did R- last year that i didn't realize was that <laughs> well i i've had the same thing where um I'll, I'll stumble upon like a cool riff or an idea and i'm like this is great and a lot of times i'll, I'll quickly record it on my computer just got like, a video of me playing it so i remember how to play it yeah and um i'll go back like a year or two and I'm like no this is exactly what that was but there's like one small difference and every once in a while that's good because every once in a while i'll be playing a riff for like a couple of years and then all of a sudden i change one bit and then i have then i have a melody then i have lyrics then it becomes a real song but it's it's like i have a song i wrote um like about five months ago called sneaking into the movies and basically the, the riff was sort of like a, a strokes kind of rip offy riff and it was cool but mm-hmm. then all of a sudden i added one little part um just five months ago and i was like Oh my god, that's that's how the song should be. That's the, that's how we do it. And I was like, I know, I've been working on this thing on the back burner for years. But um and that's how I do with a lot of ideas for comics too where it's um been thinking about it, thinking about it, but it's just not ready yet. It's not ready. It's mm-hmm. percolating and then eventually something is at it and then I'm like, this is it. It's ready to go. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, that, that that's always like the best feeling when it's like you know, yeah. as creatives, we kind of understand that it sometimes inspiration hits and You get a thing done quick and you're like, yes, this is what I was going for. And then other times it's like, you know, you think it's close and then you kind of stop and step back and you're like, no, it's not done. It's not there yet. It's not there yet. But then when you finally get those other pieces together, it's such a great feeling of like, oh, wow. okay. I'm I don't suck. I just was waiting for this moment.
1: (laughs) No, exactly. It's really gratifying. It's a jigsaw falling into place. Um, It's... But you know I, I live for that and you know sometimes it's a long wait so I try to have a few things going at once so when one thing's ready to go it's okay if the other three things aren't because I'm still busy um but it, yeah like you said that eureka moment it's 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 a weird relationship sort of thing like you know you have their initial like oh um you fall in love with an idea and then maybe it cools because you have to kind of think about it and figure out some some of the problems and then eventually when you when you do put it all together it's like oh my god we're going to get married this this idea is great this this can go on forever but it just takes a while to get there you yeah. got to move in first you got to move in you got to figure out what their parents are like it's it's a whole <laughs> process yeah exactly
0: and i think i think also sometimes you got to uh you got you got to kind of give things time even if it seems like it's fully formed like there is a there's a drawing i did not too long ago uh Basically, there's a thing going around where people, you know, um, this awesome artist, Skylar Patridge, she, uh, you know, started this whole thing where um, uh, Skylar Patridge started this thing where, you know, she created her own like slasher persona and she drew herself and stuff like that. So I'm like, Mm. you know what, that'd be a fun, what would mine be, you know? And naturally, mine would be like, you know, a guitar tech out for revenge or something like that with like a barbed wire (laughs) wrapped flying V or something like that. And I just was like staring at this image and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking about the story of what, who, what, who this guy is. And I'm like, I thought right. I had like the perfect, like one shot story for it. And then in the past couple months since I've had that, and I, cause I haven't, I haven't had time to like draw it. I'm, I'm busy with other things, but that right. story is still sticking in my brain. And as I've had that time, I'm like, Oh, the perfect story I thought I had was not, but I'm, I'm weaving something better and richer because I'm having more time to do it and all that because you know I have I've definitely um made music and and comics that were quick and mm. I was happy with how it was but I've also done stuff where I'm like oh I thought that was ready
1: that was not ready <laughs> that was not yeah, ready yeah I, I, th- I think it's a lesson you kind of have to learn I think you know it, it it's tough but um it, it, but once you, I think when you, when you kind of know it's ready, even it's been like a long time coming, it, it feels so good because you're like, oh, it's good that I waited. This is this is better than the initial idea, but um, it is tricky. Yeah. I think. Yeah,
0: it's it, it, it's 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 incredibly tricky when when you uh, it, it's one it's it's the learning curve of, of creating. Like you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have the stories that, you know. You wish you could redo. You're gonna have the stories that you just can never get to, and it's just kind of accepting that and just you know finding your your happiness with what you're doing and and getting that middle ground. You know they do say that the, what's the the, the adage uh, done is better than better than perfect. Um, and you know I can definitely say that's a great uh, kind of mindset to have. But it, it, it takes it takes some mental lifting to really <laughs> to really be cool with that idea. I think.
1: Oh yeah, I think one thing that helped me was like Paul McCartney had this thing about like um it was a couple of years ago. He basically was like, oh, you know, you can record anything on your phone now, right? And and someone's like, well, isn't that great? Imagine like all the ideas you you might have forgotten because you didn't have a phone next to you. And he's like, well, if they're really good ideas, I'll remember them or they'll come back to me. He's like, I've written enough songs that I, I think that's how it works. I was like, well, that's good enough for him. I mean, that's good enough for me. Like, if you know,
0: you know, at, at first, you know, he in the first half of that that quote, I'm like, well, you know, I think I've I've forgotten things that I thought were really really good, and I was really really wanting to get back to. But then in the second, I was like, I've written about songs. I know, I think I know how it works, and it's like,
1: yeah, you're probably right, <laughs> yeah, Paul McCartney. Yeah, say, you're probably he, right about this. <laughs> right, yeah, I was say, he. I, I will take his word for it. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I think, I think that works out well. <laughs> I think that that tracks. That that adds up. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do think having you know on that topic of like you know just kind of mentioning the phones and having, I, I like the idea of, you know, having everything. Like I could, I could sit down and I could just like mouth out a riff or something if I have it in my head and then like try to go back to it later and all that. Um, I like that aspect of having that much stuff because um kind of going back to what we're saying about, you know, done being better and perfect, and it's kind of a hard a hurdle to get to that point to really accept that, is when you do look back at some of those things, you're like, oh man, that wasn't that good. <laughs> what was what the hell was I thinking? Right. <laughs> what the hell was I writing here? Um so I, I, I can uh I think it's also kinda healthy to have that uh ability to look back at like maybe not all ideas we lost were, were 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 golden, you know.
1: But that's just oh yeah, exactly. No, no. I, I'm I I have so many bad ideas, and I probably have published them, some of them. But um, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to know when like um, if you're still gonna love something in a year from now or two years from now. But um, that's part of the risk, I guess. You know. Uh, but yeah, back to the Paul McCartney. Like, I'll take his word for it. So, because I, I used to stress out about, oh my god, what if I forgot this great thing? I got to write everything thing down, and I still write things down, but I, I've I've let go a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I think it's also you know to use a, a music analogy for this. There's been plenty of times where I have an idea in my head and I think it's a great idea, and I don't I remember the idea, and I sit down to figure it out exactly, and when I do. I don't necessarily always figure it out, but I always find something else Mm. while I'm trying to do that. And then, kind of like for for a long time, I would just be like, "No, I gotta like get whatever this rhythm or this idea of this of this part in my head. Like, I have to transcribe it perfectly for my head because it's what's what I want." And I would end up losing you know what could potentially have been really good things finding trying to find that as opposed to like trying to be slavish to the to to the idea as opposed to like what's actually being executed
1: no i i totally relate to that And i think in the last f- four or five years i've really come to accept like um be grateful for the things you do find and maybe that that's fine to pursue those it's um it, like you said, it's great to start with a, a plan, but if the plan isn't working or you find something else that's just as compelling, sure, then throw the plan away, just go for something something different. Um, and it happens a lot, you know, playing guitar, or or drawing. Um, there's plenty of times where I just kind of uh, stumble, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is this is a cool little off road. Where's this going? And then mm-hmm. then I'll either forget where I was going originally, or just kind of go no i'm fine doing this i love that and it's a good feeling it's a really good feeling to go like i don't know what's going to happen but i trust that i'll know when to turn back and when to keep going yeah yeah for sure uh so
0: you know is it something uh a lot of people i talk to aren't parents themselves so I, i don't get to ask this question a lot but um what what does your work schedule look like as a parent? Like what, what do you how do you manage being dad? Uh if you have other, you know in other jobs or whatever. Like what, what's your balance look like with that and then trying to get your, your creative work done?
1: So I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky in a lot of ways. So um I have a three year old daughter. Um I um I have a great partner. My wife, um, you know, we work on things together, so I can rely on her too and also i work from home i have a day job and so um my daughter does go to daycare um and there were times when she didn't especially when like the pandemic first mm-hmm. hit um she was at home with us and that that was that was tough in a lot of ways but um luckily uh my daughter goes to daycare and basically we, we me and my wife we try to make it 50/50 so we try to switch off and so my job is pretty lax. It's an office job. And I used to, you know, I used to have a lot, a lot harder jobs physically and, and, and mentally. So I'm really lucky to have this job where basically if I wake up early enough, I can get some drawing done. Um, if it's not my day to be with my daughter in the morning, if it is my day of my daughter in the morning, I take care of her, get her ready for daycare. And when she goes to daycare, if I have nothing pressing from work, I'll try to bust out, um, you know, um, some pages. And get them drawn, and then then I go back to work and and eat a lunch somewhere there in there, and then at the end of the day, if I if I'm lucky, I can get some more comic book stuff done. And basically, I, I found if I can do it, I get the I get my best creative output early in the morning and late at night. I just feel like I'm kind of just in the right mindset for that stuff. But it's not perfect, you know. And I, mm-hmm. I uh, when I when my daughter was born, um, I was. Uh, Finishing issue two of Serious Creatures, and issue three was a little later than than the other ones were (laughs) out. It's you know things change, so it's it's a really it's I think the best thing you can do is is try to be a good problem solver and be really flexible. And I've learned that being a parent, like um, I used to be like, oh man, I, I like you know I just said like I try to work in the mornings and and late at night, but now I'm like, well, if I have available time, I'll just try to get done when I can and not to be precious about it. Um, it's, it's, so it's, I think it's tricky. And also I think, I think you might relate to this too. I think most parents do. Um, I did not realize how much time was in a day before I had a kid. Um, I used to go like, oh man, you know, I only got so much time. I was like, no, uh, you watch three hours of TV and now I don't have to do that if I want to get something done. I, Uh, I have (laughs) my schedule. I, I know exactly how much time and how much can fit in there if, if it needs to, mm -hmm. um, but but you know it, it it's it's a, a, it's a fun wrinkle because I, I you know I love my kid and she's a lot of fun and also she like um what's fun now she's getting old enough she she likes looking at my comics mm-hmm. like she uh, she likes Attaboy she loves Attaboy and um that's neat and I, I'm not gonna force anything on her but it's kind of cool to think that uh she, you know she's a pretty honest person she she tells me she hates things I do all the time like food I make her and whatnot. But if she likes something I've drawn, I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to it. Yeah, it's
0: I, I definitely uh, can, you know. I, I I definitely know that feeling, you know. My my kids so much with the the art aspect. Um, a lot of stuff I end up drawing is like, okay, you're not supposed to see this kind of stuff yet. <laughs> um, uh, not that it's like super, uh, super, um, risque or 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 dark or anything like that. Just like. You know, I draw a lot of like you know, <laughs> horror-based stuff, so like, oh, you shouldn't really be seeing someone getting stabbed right now or, <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> um, you know, luckily I have a few projects where like they can see what Daddy's working on and, and stuff like that.
1: But um, it when when so when my, when the my inter- kid's young enough that she doesn't she doesn't even understand if something's really violent. I think at least so that's what I tell yeah. myself. Yeah,
0: over oh, you three is three, around where it's like, okay, well, m- maybe they might remember
1: this when they're older, <laughs> <You> <laughs> right? Know? The permanent record starts, that's a good point, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, my daughter really, really loves uh you know, Godzilla and, and all that nice. and you know, she's six and um you know, she hasn't, you know, sat down to watch much of the movies. Uh one day randomly we just started watching Godzilla versus uh Hirora and mm. which is like the trippiest Godzilla movie. Uh but it's <laughs> like but she was she was down to watch. I'm like, okay, let's watch it but I have a bunch of Godzilla vinyls. Uh, oh.
1: Oh, so it, she she's grabbing yeah. them. Oh.
0: Oh yeah, she loves she knows them all. She knows Godzilla, she knows Millennium Godzilla, she knows Burning Godzilla. She knows God <laughs> Shin Godzilla form, you know, uh form 1, form 2.
1: <laughs> Shin's <laughs> she, fun cuz the eyes are so googly and, and stuff like oh, that.
0: Oh, I I love yeah, the 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 second form. I I love. Yeah. What do they call uh, Kamada Kun, I think? Kamada Kun is the uh the affectionate term they give him in Japan. What does
1: that actually mean? Do you know? Yeah.
0: I don't know what Kamada-kun means, but it, it, it's, it's the, that version of Shin Godzilla is definitely taking a foothold in, in the culture. There's like these little fuzzy slippers with uh, them that, <laughs> that I really want to get. Um, yeah. That's great. But yeah, yeah. She, you know, when, when she shows a huge interest in that and like, you know, superhero stuff from time to time. And, and you know, my son, he's definitely, uh, you know, they obviously all love coming in and like, you know, playing my guitars. They won't let me play my guitars. So I'm always <laughs> envious whenever I see like dads playing, like jamming out and the kids are rocking out and stuff. And I'm like, right. I get, I, I you know, they get in the mood for that like maybe like once a month. Other times it's like, no, daddy, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to play like any like death metal with them and stuff, you know, right. I'll, I'll, pl- I'll play something fun or whatever. But yeah, usually they just want to like, you know, they're, they're like their dad. They're like me where they see something they enjoy doing and they kind of want to do it. So it's not, it's not like they don't want to sit back and watch me play guitar. They want to do it. That's great. They don't want to sit there and watch me draw. They want to draw on my tablet as well. (laughs) You know, it's, they want to, they want to do the thing. Um, So I can understand that, that aspect of it. But yeah, I I appreciate what you say about just trying to find where you can do it. You know, for me, I know I really have to give myself structure and with two kids and and you know just life being what it is, uh, it's very difficult to maintain that. But early mornings, late nights—that's you know that that seems to be the go-to. Where you know when when no one's awake <laughs> is is when yeah, is usually it's the best of, time to get things done.
1: It's kind of fun to lurk around and get a bunch of stuff done, and it's sort of like a hidden little secret thing. I don't know, it's something yeah. to it. I think.
0: Yeah, And my son, you know, he he just turned three and. Uh, you know, in our in our state, he's uh, eligible for preschool now, so he can kind of like start whenever. Um, right, we're not immediately going to put him in just because there's a whole lot of like logistical issues, and like the timing of when he would go into kindergarten. Basically, I we'd want to put our kid in the preschool for like two and a half years <laughs> until he's able to go gotcha. into kindergarten. Because um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, through through definitely not my genetics, he's he's a pretty smart kid. <laughs> he, <laughs> You know he's reading things, he's writing things, and he's he knows all the ABCs and is, he can count up pretty high. and He's, he's awesome. spelling words and stuff, so it's like, you know, wow, okay, I don't know where you, you can get that from me, but like <laughs> I don't want you to be bored in school, kid either. So like we're we're trying to figure that out. But the the point I bring that up is just because I'm kind of excited about him eventually going and <laughs> having a couple hours in the house oh, where sure. it's just. Where it's just, you know, and my wife works from home now, um, since the pandemic started and just kind of like, oh, a couple hours, it's just gonna be us working, you know, in the in in the house together. So it's like that's kind of something I'm looking forward to.
1: That's the even dream, though emotionally
0: maybe. I know I'll probably be a wreck <laughs> going off to school and all that. But uh you know, that that's 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 the uh the bittersweetness of uh being a parent. Like you you enj you crave that time where it's just you and you're, and you don't have to worry about the kids and stuff like that. And then, uh, when they're gone, you're like, What are they doing?
1: <laughs> oh, it, it happens every time, exactly. I'm like, Oh, I miss them. I don't know. Oh my yeah. God. Just, just, just enjoy this time alone while you have it. I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I i was kind of used to it a little bit with my, with my daughter because, you know, there was spaced far enough apart to where she was still doing, she was doing some preschool stuff while me before he showed up. And, so there's definitely those like, oh, wow, I I am responsible for no one but myself right now. <laughs> 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 what, what am I going to do? Um, so and you, you did kind of, you know, touch on the fact that, you know, you know, as a parent, you realize how long a day truly is. And the amount of times my wife and I have lamented about, like, what do we do time? <laughs> when we we're younger? Oh, like, uh, like, yeah, we- I
1: feel like I there, Yeah, I feel like there's years. I just wasted doing nothing. Like yeah. Years worth of of stuff I could have done.
0: Like so many Property Brothers episodes just that did not need to be watched. You know, it just, it's just, oh my God. Um, So yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely an eye opener. But you know, it's, if, if, if my kids, you know, help me get my shit together
1: and be more productive, then, you know, I'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean I, I think having kids is all about gr- making you grow up basically in some way Somewhere around, you still should have lots of fun I think you do but um that's what I'm learning I'm learning like yeah I, I gotta be better at scheduling gotta be better at, at just um managing stuff yeah for sure for sure for sure uh,
0: well you know Tony it's been an absolute blast talking to you um oh same hopefully no one's noticed too much but there's been like a ton of technical <laughs> issues oh <laughs> <laughs> I swear this episode is cursed. what happened now. Uh, my my I, my iPad sketchboard just randomly fell off the desk for some reason. Right now, um, it wasn't even next to it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but we've been having so many weird audio dropouts and all that. And uh, it's just it's been it's been an insane amount of just weird issues popping up. But Tony, it's been so awesome talking to you. And it's been a bummer a little bit because uh, we've uh, had so many issues and I've really enjoyed you, the You've been a trooper though, man.
1: I, I, I have too, I, but you've been, you've been a total uh, saint in fighting this thing and I, uh, I've been re- I will respecting not, it the whole time.
0: I will not let the machines win, um, but <laughs> you know, we'll definitely have to do this again, hopefully with better yeah. <laughs> technical results. Um, but right now, uh, let everyone know where they can find your stuff online, where they can find you online
1: thanks Um, so um, luckily no one has my name apparently so if you look up Tony McMillan um, you'll find my Instagram under that you'll find um, my Etsy shop you'll find my Facebook you'll find me on Twitter um, just under my name Um, and I have all kinds of comic books and and, uh, some art to look at and some uh, novels too but um, I'm the only guy named Tony McMillan for some reason so search me out it'll be well worth your time Um, love to hear from you
0: awesome awesome Tony thank you again so much for coming on
1: Thank you. It was, it was a great time. Thank you for listening
0: to Thomas Coffee Metal Podcast. Please be sure to return the next episode with my guest, writer and musician Dalton Deshaun. See you then.